Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. It is Monday, July 25th, 2022, and if you'd like to contact the show tonight, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, or on Twitter at tst underscore underscore radio. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, will have our archive. You can listen and download all of the shows, but if you'd like to get rid of the monetized advertisements, you can subscribe to our full show archive on the website, which gets you access to a lot more, including our montages and digital copies of each of my books. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support keeps us on air sincerely five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. I've received two different emails in the last couple of days, and I have received another email or two the, the previous week about mask mandates returning in places like California and San Diego and some schools. And I've seen a few tiny news reports, little news reports here or there about how people generally across the United States don't want to participate in this anymore. And that's part of the reason why a lot of cities aren't bringing those mandates back immediately because they, they know that people don't want to do it. They don't want to put up with it and they're not going to put up with it. Now, these are just things that I'm reading in the news. These are just things that I'm hearing from listeners about where they live and different mandates and things that are coming back in some places or potential uh, mandates that might come back in some places. Some some governors haven't uh, initiated those uh, policies yet, but they're, they're thinking about them. And this is sort of, I think, a very traumatic thing that a lot of people are are worried about for a lot of different reasons. You know, maybe you didn't have an issue wearing a mask or social distancing, but for a lot of people, just the whole idea that mandates, quote-unquote, could come back is is traumatizing because of just uh, you know the idea of, of a virus floating around and maybe that virus would get you or your kids sick and maybe even your pet could get sick and but when you when you take down the 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 various elements and the various components of everything that we've heard and everything that we've dealt with in the last two plus years it becomes really obvious that the the the, the resolution of, of the problems that we've faced and the, the end game of these problems and, and, the, and the policies that went into effect to, to address these problems clearly have provided us with a clear picture, a crystal clear picture of, of there being some form of uh, intention, uh, some form of, of systemic organized policy that is underlying everything that we thought was an organic reaction to an organic viral contagion. The data is in without any question that lockdowns and masks severely damaged childhood learning, childhood development, especially in the first world, and that lockdowns and masks, including quarantines and social distancing, further damaged economies for decades to come, and starved tens of millions of people to death. 
These are official numbers, not my numbers, not something I'm making up, not something I'm reading from Fox News. These are these are official numbers from the U.N. It's it's upwards of 60 or 70 million people died additionally from starvation than would normally die in any given period of time, any given year. So these are facts and these are facts that show us a reality that seems to be the result of a coldly calculated agenda rather than the organic response of an emotionally driven population inspired by media that just wants to give you, you know, a, 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 an idea of what's happening to give you, you know, facts so you can make the best decision for you and your family. And I think the best example of this is when we have global voices, global so-called leaders that turn their open disdain for humanity into a simple mistake that we're supposed to forgive. For example, in 2020, Melinda Gates, who has no medical or economic training, said, what did surprise us, this is a quote, what did surprise us is we hadn't really thought through the economic impacts. The economic impacts of what? Well, lockdowns. Here is Melinda Gates, with no medical or economic training, who's simply married to a very wealthy eugenicist, who says, we didn't really think about the economic impacts of lockdowns. Now, one might ask why Melinda Gates had any, you know, uh, had any decision-making power whatsoever, why she was even in the conversation to decide how the public should and how states and governments and provinces and others should react to the pandemic. You're, you're the wife of a eugenicist. Where, where does your authority come into play? But then to simply say, we didn't think through the economic impacts. That's very telling, especially when you add on a recent statement by the IMF, that's the International Monetary Fund director, Kristalina Georgieva, who said on the subject of printing more money as stimulus to keep the economy afloat during lockdowns, that, quote, at that time, we did recognize that printing that money, that may lead to too much money in circulation, too few goods, but didn't really quite think through the consequences. So here you have the director of the IMF recently, a few months ago, and you had Melinda Gates, who is just married to a eugenicist, two years apart, two different phases of the so-called pandemic, and both of them are saying, we didn't think through the economic impacts. We didn't think through what printing all this money would do. We didn't think through the consequences. Those two statements are eerily married together. Those two statements eerily depict negligent and absolutely either incompetent decision-making on the part of so-called leaders, or they indicate a systemic form of agenda that is a result of a disdain for human beings and for the development of human society, civilization, the growth of economies, and the lifting of people out of poverty with more development and more adaptation, etc. So what we're looking at here are people like Melinda Gates and the IMF director who are openly acknowledging, openly stating, they thought nothing of the consequences of implementing lockdowns, of implementing quarantine measures, of implementing universal mask wearing, etc. We didn't really, of, of printing too much money to deal with the economic impact. We didn't think through any of that. We just acted. 
We didn't think through the consequences. Now, I think that the irony and the fallacy for, for a, lot of, a lot of these situations is that when you look at individual states in the United States and you look at politics in general, whether it's gun violence or it's something like gun violence, people want politicians to act. So if you go back to the early days of 2020, people were told that there was a deadly virus they need to stay in their homes for, for just two weeks to curb the, the, the spread, and then the, everything will be back to normal. And then that slowly transitioned to a couple of months. How about a year? How about social distancing and, and contact tracing? How about passports to be able to engage in commerce or go to a concert? And then you have the World Economic Forum, which for a lot of people, this was the first time they ever heard of the World Economic Forum saying that this pandemic offers us an opportunity to do things that you know, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do, and that includes resetting uh, the entire global economy, which means destroying our infrastructure and destroying individual economies and basically resetting the way that the system works, the system functions, right? So as we started to learn about that, and we, we heard these statements by people like Melinda Gates and Chris. Uh, Kristalina Georgievia, the IMF director, we learned that these are not mistakes. This is not pure, simple negligence. This is intentional. This is literally an agenda. I know that word gets overused, but this is an agenda. It's on the agenda of the World Economic Forum. And it's on the agenda of all of those that run countries like Canada, for example, who are on the payroll or who are young leaders, they are on the ideological payroll of groups like the World Economic Forum. So what we've seen as a result over the last two years of this essential beta test to see how society would function in the event of a large-scale lockdown and a grinding to a halt of all necessary economic activity, we're getting the, the data on how this has affected not only the third world, which has killed tens of millions, but how it's affected the first world as well. And although I'm not particularly interested tonight in discussing the details of supply chain issues and things like that, that is a part of it, I'm more interested in looking at how it's affected the first world in regard to childhood development, childhood learning, and also childhood health. Because the pandemic led to a drastic reduction in childhood education to the point where there are millions of children around the world that are suffering from the health effects of masks, that are suffering from now what otherwise wouldn't be the case, illiteracy, children that have not learned to read or write, and children that are suffering from developmental issues because they do not have the social environment in order to grow in those ways. So the thing is, when we're looking at all of this, this information, I find it interesting that there are a few news articles here or there. There's an article from The Economist. There's local news stations across the United States. There's a few stories internationally out of the BBC and a few others here or there across the world. And they're showing us that, based on the studies that they're reporting, 
Children have experienced all of this and more, and so have adults. And we tend to forget that it was the so-called pandemic and the response to the pandemic that led to you going to the store and finding empty shelves. You going to the store and finding that products that you would normally buy were not only not in stock, but they've been discontinued or they've been removed entirely. The shelf tag's been removed entirely. You go to retail stores, you go to grocery stores, and, and you're seeing it more and more and more. And that's not because of, of Vladimir Putin. That's not because of, of Russia. Gas prices are not because of, uh, you know, the guy down the road, the Indian guy that runs the gas station. It's because of complex issues that result from a global lockdown that we are being told now, just as we were being told a year and a half ago, hey, this might be the solution to curb greenhouse gas emissions, to push society into accepting a new form of infrastructure, a new form of energy production and usage. And you'll have to pay for that, of course, with your blood, sweat, and tears and the little bit of money that you earn as prices skyrocket in the name of saving the environment. This this whole thing, if you if you piece it together, it doesn't have to be a, a, a wide-ranging, complicated conspiracy. It's just that there is a conspiratorial element to the initiation of this process, and then everything else falls into place. You know, it's it's like the Joker said in Batman, right? The the idea of madness, madness just needs a little push. It's like it's like gravity. A little push and society deteriorates into chaos. And that's that's what we're seeing. An article from The Economist reported just two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, that COVID learning loss has been a global disaster. Part of the reason for this is because children were locked out of schools. Children were locked out of schools that prevented them, of course, from learning how to read properly. Before the pandemic, 57% of 10-year-olds in low- and middle-income countries could not read a simple story. That's according to figures from the World Bank. That figure may have risen to 70% now, according to the World Bank. That's a 13% increase of children in low- and middle-income countries that could not read a simple story. The share of 10-year-olds who cannot read in Latin America, probably the worst affected region, rocket, uh, rocketed from around 50 to 80%. So that's, that's roughly a 30% increase in children who could not read. That is enormous. So in the case of 10-year-olds in low- and middle-income countries, it's 57 to 70%. That's a 13% increase. But in Latin America, children that could not read have gone up percentage-wise from 50 to 80. That's a 30% increase. The Economist goes on to say children who never master the basics will grow up to be less productive and earn less. Of course they will. And that's precisely what those at the World Economic Forum and others wish to see. Because they don't want people that can read. They don't want people that can write. Just like slaves. In any country, in any culture, of any color, throughout the history of mankind. You don't want your slaves. You don't want your peasants learning how to read and to write. Because you don't want them forming a community. And you don't want them coming together. And you don't want them forming some form of uh, resistance to your authority. So you want people to be dumb, you want people to be illiterate, and you want people to just be smart enough to, as George Carlin said, pull the levers and push the buttons. That's all that you want. 
Now, according to The Economist, estimates that by 2040, education loss to school closures could cause a global GDP to be 0.9%, almost a whole percentage point lower than it would otherwise have been. That's an annual loss of $1.6 trillion. Now, yes, we estimate these things in money, in, uh, in, in dollar amounts, or you know, depending on the country you're in, you, you estimate it in, in your currency. This is how we get an idea of how things like reading and writing loss will affect the world. And the World Bank says that this could actually affect, it says the, the, the World Bank thinks the disruption could cost children $21 trillion in earnings over their lifetimes, a sum equivalent to 17% of global GDP today. In other words, this is going to make children not only dumber, because they're now illiterate, it's also going to mean that children are going to, as they grow older, be less productive, they're going to be more subservient to the state they live in, And they're going to earn less, which means they're also going to be more subservient to the state they live in. They're going to earn substantially less money as a result of this. We're talking about effects on GDP. We're talking about effects on children and development that are literally decades away. But based on the years of learning lost, we can estimate that even with the adaptions that we make to these lockdowns, and in some countries, children still not are in schools, we're talking about a massive, a severe, and a detrimental effect that will have repercussions long into the future decades of the 21st century. That's a very scary thing to think about. Regional differences are also huge, says The Economist. Full and partial shutdowns lasted 29 weeks in Europe, 32 weeks in sub-Saharan Africa. Countries in Latin America imposed restrictions lasting 63 weeks on average. The figure was 73 in South Asia. Listen to those numbers again. In Europe, the shutdowns of schools and other places lasted about 29 weeks on average. In sub-Saharan Africa, 32 weeks. Latin America, though, has some of the strongest, along with South Asia, they had lockdowns and closures that lasted between 63 and 73 weeks. We know 52 weeks in a year, so you can do some general math there to see how long children have been directly kept out of schools. But even when children went back to school, it was limited, and a lot of children switched to digital, computer, tablet, remote learning. Over two years, nearly 153 million children missed more than half of all in-person schooling. That's according to UNESCO. More than 60 million missed three quarters. That's, a, that's 153 million children missed half or all of in-schooling, of all in-person schooling. 60 million missed three quarters of their in-person schooling. Poorer countries stayed closed longer than their neighbors, based on those figures I just gave you. Places with low-performing schools kept them shut for longer than others in their regions. Closures were often long in places where teachers' unions were especially powerful, such as Mexico and parts of the United States. Unions fought hard to keep schools closed long after it was clear that this would harm children. So, once again, 
we knew that from the beginning. And it took a long time for official, academic, official, psychological, official, media, etc. sources to acknowledge that, yes, keeping schools closed for more than a few days or a few weeks, you know, you might have a snow week or something, a couple of days, you know, don't go to school because of the snow. Usually at a certain point, after a certain number of days in some states, you make that up in the summer, you know, the school year is extended. But no, this isn't keeping kids out of school for a couple of days or a week. This is keeping kids out of school for months. In some places, keeping kids out of school for years. And when they go back to school, they don't actually go back to school. They go to their room and they get on a tablet, and they, quote, learn that way. And the effects of this have caused the statistical number of children in both low- and middle-income countries to rise 13%. That's an illiteracy rate of 13% increasing. And in some countries, like Latin American countries, an increased rate of illiteracy that borders on 30%, which is an absolutely stunning percentage. And it's not just about the GDP lost. It's about the inability of those children as they grow older to be more self-sufficient, to produce for themselves and their families, and of course, to earn money. That's important. And that means they're going to be more subservient to the state in which they live. That is is in no way, shape, or form a conspiracy that is precisely the ideology of masters and lords who do not want their slaves to read or to write. They do not want them to form groups and think about resistance or think about becoming free and dependent on themselves instead of something or somebody else so that they can be truly free and enabled to, to live their lives. This is, this is really dark. And I want to share with you some of the other stuff I found tonight here on The Secret Teachings, including... Brand new studies on masks that show that masks have done absolutely nothing except cause more harm physically, biologically, physiologically, and psychologically than they did to actually stop the transmission of any kind of particle. This is all mainstream science and mainstream news now. Putting it together for tonight's broadcast, Breathe No Evil. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Stay with us. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. <laughs> I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. 
Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. A really great example of gas lighting is today I saw this story. It's from the 22nd of July. President Joe Biden and the White House say gas prices are declining at one of the fastest rates we've seen in over a decade. We're not letting up on our work to lower costs even further. And it's... It's astounding how people can then think, well, gas was $2 a gallon. Now it's four plus $5 in some places, $7 in places like California. So gas literally doubles and even triples. And then as you slowly bring the price down, you're a hero for tripling the price and then slowly bringing it back down. And you tell people, we brought it back down and they forget that you're responsible for, for bringing it up. And then you tell them, vote for us if you want us to make prices cheaper when we're the ones that made things more expensive through our policies. I mean, that is truly, truly gaslighting. And it also speaks to the fact that the general public collectively, not individually in most cases, but collectively, is like a herd of sheep. And really, truly is terrified by the sheepdog. And doesn't know any better. The general public seems to be collectively in a trance. They find it apparently hard to ascertain why things like prices are increasing, increasing, increasing. Availability is decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. 
And as gas prices go up and then they start to come back down, it's never the president's fault for them going up. It's always the president's fault for those gas prices going down. He gets the credit for the gas prices going down. And the media tells us the president has nothing to do with gas prices. Until they go down, then you should vote for those people because they brought the gas prices down. See, all of this speaks to the idea, once again, that when people are made ignorant of things like civics, basic economics, things like what a fallacy is, what gaslighting is, what Stockholm syndrome is, so basic psychology, when they're made ignorant of how to properly read and write, they become nothing more than the slave of a master or the servant and peasant of a lord. And masters and lords do not like when their slaves know how to read and write. They do not like when their slaves and peasants learn that what they're producing with their labor is being stolen from them in the name of some greater good, in the name of uh, you know the, the, the region or the country or the kingdom or whatever the case might be. In some cases, because their labor is worthless because of the color of their skin, black, white, green, purple, yellow, doesn't matter all throughout human history. There's tens of millions of people enslaved today in worse conditions than anybody who was enslaved in uh, you know the original uh, 13 colonies or, or at Jamestown in the 1600s. We don't care about that, though, because that's not politically expedient to advance a, a, a current contemporary narrative and agenda. But the whole idea is, again, you don't want your slaves and your peasants to learn how to read or to write. You don't want them to be able to form resistance. You don't want them to be able to communicate and share ideas because those are dangerous to your power. So in the process of resetting the world, the process of locking down society and shutting schools down and preventing children from accessing education through the means that they have been accessing education through, and I mean, of course, this this is, a, this is one of those things where we can argue, well, public education isn't that great anyway. Well, 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 sure, but at least in public education, children learn how to read and to write at, at least better than if they were sitting at home watching Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network all day. So at, at least children learn how to read and to write. That's a positive thing. That's a beneficial thing. Instead, locking kids out of school prevented them from learning how to read and to write. Before the pandemic, 57% of 10-year-olds in low- and middle-income countries could not read a simple story. After the pandemic, that number rose to 70%. Now, in Latin American countries, it was far worse because they had much stricter and much longer lockdowns. Their rate of illiteracy, specifically the ability to read, rose from 50% across Latin American countries to 80%. That's an astounding number. That's a terrifying number. And yet it's all for the, it's all for the common good, right? Because the ends justify the means. Regional differences are also huge because full and partial shutdowns lasted 29 weeks in Europe, 32 weeks in sub-Saharan Africa, but in Latin American countries and in Asian countries, especially in South Asia, Lockdowns lasted between 63 and 73 weeks. In some parts of the world, lockdowns are still active. Some of those African countries in particular. 153 million children, it is estimated, this is from UNESCO, the World Bank, and The Economist, missed more than half 
of all in-person schooling, that's according to UNESCO, 60 million missed three quarters. Poorer countries stayed closed longer than their neighbors. Wealthier countries like, you know, Mexico as opposed to the United States. Places with low-performing schools kept them shut for longer than others in their, in, in, in their, uh, their region that might have been higher-performing schools. So, once again, lockdowns, whether that's for COVID or whether they say they need lockdowns for climate change, this disproportionately affects lower, even middle-income, but especially lower-income families. So, if you're worried about minorities and black children and Hispanic children, they are most affected, even by the official politically correct statistical narrative by things like pandemic lockdowns and climate lockdowns, including surging prices in gas and basic necessities that we're supposed to be paying because of Putin or because of some Indian gas station owner or because, uh, you know, we have to save the climate and we have to protect minorities from climate change when, quote unquote, minorities actually end up footing the main part of the bill. You know, I'm not rich. I make like a thousand dollars a month. And if I have to pay an additional $30 a month in gas, I can afford it, but it's still a ton of money for me. Nevertheless, we still promote the idea that we should pay these prices because, well, it will help black people. Really? Because poorer people, black and Hispanic communities in particular in a lot of places, are hit hardest by rising gas prices, rising food costs, and of course, by lower rates of literacy. So this kind of indicates to me I don't know about you, but this is where I get this, this idea for tonight's show. I start thinking, okay, this, this seems intentional, especially because climate change picks up where pandemic left off. And since climate change picks up where pandemic left off, the, the, the solution to the climate issue is also the same solution to the pandemic issue, which didn't actually fix the pandemic issue. We just transitioned from pandemic into climate, and along the way, we continue to hear that humans are bad, humans are dirty, wear a mask, don't touch each other, don't go near each other, lock down, quarantine, don't see your family, don't see your friends. And then that proceeded to change into don't do those things because we can save the climate from equally dirty humans that are breathing poisonous gases like carbon dioxide. You see how that transition worked seamlessly? with a healthy dosage of warfare and fallacy to make you think that, well, I mean, the pandemic's over, but I guess the supply chain issues uh, aren't over. And I guess that's not really the pandemic. That's, that's because of Putin, right? And then that slowly transitioned into now it's a climate issue, and that's why we don't have these products on the shelves. And, and in fact, we don't need those products. We don't need to produce anything more. We don't need a capitalist society. We need a society in which there is a common good. So basically, this is just an anti capitalist uh, agenda. It's an anti-capitalist, uh, a systemic form of, of, of communist ideology that is being promoted in the name of protecting you from a virus or protecting you from climate issues. And these are the same tactics that were used by the Communist Party of China in the 40s and 50s. Well known, well documented. According to a paper published in May by analysts at the World Bank, Harvard and the Brookings Institute, they looked at 35 studies of learning loss from 20 mostly rich countries. They found that the average loss across these studies was equivalent to what would usually be learned in one-third to one-half of a year of normal schooling. In South Africa, primary school children tested after a 22-week closure were found to have learned only about one-quarter of what they should have. Brazilian 
secondary school pupils who had missed almost six months of face-to-face learning did similarly dreadfully. A study of 3,000 children, this is all from The Economist in Mexico, who had missed 48 weeks of in-person schooling suggests they appeared to have learned little or nothing during that time. Now, according to The Economist, these results suggest that globally speaking, across the whole world, school children may be eight months behind where they would normally be. The damage may be massive in many middle-income countries, which are together home to about 75% of all school-aged children. The lag in those places could be 9 to 15 months. That's how far the children are, are, are thought to be behind. These countries generally kept school buildings closed longer than rich ones and probably did a worse job of teaching remotely. The estimated effect of the pandemic on education in poor countries was less awful. The most likely explanation, though, is, of course, in those schools, they, they didn't teach to the same degree that uh, was being taught in wealthier nations to begin with, so missing school didn't affect the children as drastically in the sense of, you know, in the case of just missing school, they were already very far behind, and then now missing school, they're even further behind in those countries. So this tells us quite a bit. It tells us that children are going to earn less, they're going to produce less, they're going to be less intelligent, they're going to be less inclined to to uh, be independent for themselves. And if you're illiterate, or if you're less literate, and if you cannot produce or you produce less, and if you cannot take care of yourself or not take care of yourself entirely, you are fully subservient to the state, to your master as a slave, and to your lord as a peasant. And that is precisely what the World Economic Forum, that is precisely what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that is precisely what the eugenicists and the genocidal, homicidal maniacs and the warmongers and the Extinction Rebellion people and so many others truly wish to see in our world. They want to see people that cannot read and cannot write, that are just smart enough to ask for their own chains, that are just smart enough and just just able to keep themselves alive, just enough to, to work on that global golden circle plantation. And the golden circle, by the way, was an idea that, came, that was uh, created by a guy named George Bickley. He wanted to expand the institution of slavery in the southern United States, or prior to the United States, the, the southern part of, of the colonies. He wanted to expand that uh, to include Cuba and to create a what he called a golden circle, uh, which would be basically a slave empire uh, based on the the uh, conditions and and the structure of a plantation, and that was an idea that was, and that was an idea that was had uh, during colonial times, and it was an idea had uh, after the unification of the states, uh, of course, uh, in the case of George Bickley, more so after or around the time of the Civil War, uh, but the idea goes back to the colonial period as well to expand slavery as an institution across a, a wide area where it would be controlled like one giant plantation. And this is precisely what we see happening in the world around us. Less literacy, less education in general, less ability to think for yourself, less ability to produce for yourself, less ability to be independent, therefore more responsibility for taking care of you is put on the state, which will then provide you with your food and your clothing so long as you work for them and you follow their orders and do what they say, do what they tell you to do.
But it's not just the children that missed school. It's also the children that attended school. Because the children that missed school and the children that attended school were faced with different situations, but in both cases, an antisocial wave of developmental delay washed over millions of school children, which produced not only learning delays, but also speech delays. Speech-language pathologists across the United States are blaming the pandemic for the drastic increase in the number of children with delayed speech development. So-called experts attribute the problem to young kids being isolated without playdates or preschool, parents not exchanging information about their growing children, and masks preventing kids from seeing facial expressions. All things we were told could not and would not and were not happening. But of course, if you isolate kids... And even if they're out of school, not allowing them to have playdates with their friends. Not communicating with your children, putting them on a tablet if they are learning or putting them on a tablet for something to do and covering your face. Or if if your child's in school, the teacher having their face covered, their friends having their faces covered. This all dramatically affects childhood learning and childhood development. This is not a theory. This is a harsh and very dark reality. And uh, a little side note, there's a, there's a movie coming out that looks just absolutely terrifying. Uh, a friend of mine had actually sent me a, uh, a preview to it, and then I saw it. I went to see a movie this weekend. I went to see a Nope, and we're going to be talking about that at some point this week. Uh, but I went to see Nope, and at the beginning of the movie, right before the movie started, there's this... Uh, this movie called Smile, which is a psychological horror film. And um, uh, if I'm being honest, it was one of the scariest previews I've ever seen. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to watch this movie. It looks horrifying. But the, the, the whole idea, like the premise of the movie, is it's kind of based on the, the idea of the hat man or the smiling man. And what's so creepy about it is you have the, the, the focal point is the, is the smile, which, you know, for, for, for human beings, we see people smile and we see that as a positive thing. We see that as a welcoming thing. We see that as a non-threatening thing. But when you have this shadowy character standing in the corner of your room smiling at you and you see these people in the movie smiling at you while they commit self-harm or while they hurt other people, that really messes with the wires in the brain. And, um, I mean, again, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to even be able to see that movie. It looks, because of that, it's so terrifying. And it, it just kind of, no matter how consciously aware you are, when you see something like that, it disturbs you at a core level. And, again, that's because we're, we're conditioned. We are, we are genetically pre, preconditioned to see a smile as a positive, non-threatening, non-harmful thing. And so if you apply that idea to children seeing their family and their friends and their teachers and masks and not being able to, 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 to see facial expressions. It, it's, it's a lot worse than just going to see a movie like smile. These are kids that literally in the most important years of their life, as they're being educated, they are pulled out of schools, stuck on a tablet or stuck in front of a TV to be entertained And in some cases, you can't necessarily blame the parents if they have no other place for their children to go if they have to work. And then you have, if they are put back in school, 
it's just teachers and other children in facial coverings. They can't see expressions. They can't hang out with their friends. I mean, this is like this is like a like a uh, like a horror movie that is like a psychological horror movie uh, that the, the the basis of it is like some alien invasion where these these alien creatures come to Earth and they try to take like the movie invasion. They try to take away human emotion. And they, they take away human emotion to stop war. And, and look, it's like war is ended, but then humans aren't even human anymore. They're, they're totally under the control. It's inva- you know, based on invasion of the body snatchers. They're totally under the control of these, of these aliens, of these body snatchers, right? And that's, that's what this feels like. It's just, do you think about it? The reason that that, that uh, you know, that smile movie looks so scary, at least to me, and I, I know from reading a little bit about the movie, it's because we're not supposed to see horror and terror and pain associated with a smiling face. And when you have a child who can't even see a frowning face, let alone a smiling face, and they don't know, you know, the tone in somebody's voice and their body language mixed with facial expressions, that absolutely decimates the psychological well-being of that child. It is, it is I, I believe, akin to, to severe head trauma and, and brain damage. And you have this not for a couple of days, weeks, or months. You have this for a couple of years. And in some cases, children are going to be experiencing this indefinitely. I still see parents in public with babies, with masks on the babies, with masks over their faces. And I wonder, when they leave the grocery store, are they taking these masks off? I mean, if you put a tiny child, like an infant, in a mask... I highly doubt that those parents are taking that mask off of that baby, even when they're not in a grocery store. I mean, this is, this is psychosis and narcissism and gaslighting and brainwashing and terrifying because of what people have been conditioned to accept as an absolute inversion of the natural order and of, of, of reality. Here's another story. This was just two months ago. CNBC, isolation during COVID pandemic has delayed kids' social skills according to another new study. This report says kids continue to struggle with basic skills such as writing and speaking in, wake, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is from the UK government's education authority. So this isn't just like some random child uh, childhood study. This isn't some you know tiny university. Not that those aren't credible. This is the UK government's education authority. Just as we've had speech language pathologists, just as we've had UNESCO and the World Bank and the Economist, you know, big entities, big publications all showing us that things like lockdowns and quarantines and keeping kids out of school and masks all drastically reduced a child's ability to one, read, to two, write, to three, properly communicate, to four, develop uh, their ability to speak so that they can communicate, and five, their brains are rewired because they can't see people's faces, and six, just basic fundamental skills that they would otherwise develop have not been developed because of these reasons, the masks and the lockdowns and the keeping kids out of school. 
These findings from the UK government are among a series of reports published back in April of 2022 by Ofsted, based on evidence from around 280 inspections of educational institutions across different age groups as well as focus groups with the government department's inspectors. Some education providers highlighted the fact that the kids lacked confidence in group activities. Toddlers and preschoolers needed help in learning to share and take turns at a far greater rate than had been documented before. Providers also noticed how the pandemic had affected young children's physical development, such as delay in babies learning to crawl and walk. Some reported that children had regressed in their independence and self-care skills, prompting providers to spend longer with kids on physical activities in order to help develop gross motor skills. Now, I feel almost a desire to cry when I read that. But it's not an emotional response to the innocence of children being taken advantage of. It's, it's an angry tear that I want to shed. Let me, let me read you that again so you can get an idea of, of what even the UK government has found. Providers noticed how the pandemic had affected young children's physical development, including a delay in babies learning to crawl and walk. Some reported that children had regressed in their independence and self-care skills. There's that word independence, and that's what it's all about prompting providers to spend longer with kids on physical activities in order to help develop gross motor skills. This is pure, unfiltered evil. And let me tell you something. The people that initiated the policies that led to these developmental and learning delays knew exactly what they were doing. The lockdowns and the quarantines and the social distancing and the contact tracing and the prevention of people from engaging in commerce and engaging in employment unless they had a mask or a vaccine or they stood six feet apart. This is like an episode of The Twilight Zone. This is very alien to human nature. It is the antithesis of human nature. School children were found to have gaps in math, phonics, and writing stamina. That's huge. And yet, you go out in public and you still see people wearing their masks and putting masks over children. And remember... These delays aren't just caused because people are wearing masks. It's caused by all of the COVID-19, quote, mitigation procedures. The lockdowns, the quarantines, the social distancing, and the mask wearing all have decimated the learning of children and decimated their literal, physical, not just mental, but physical development. They found that children have regressed in their independence and self-care skills. I mean, what exactly would you think if, if someone implemented a policy and it led to children not being able to read, to write, 
or to take care of themselves. You would think that that policy and that that ideology was geared, was was formulated, was directed to create a dependent servant, a dependent slave to a master, a dependent peasant to a lord. There really isn't any other way to cut it or to break it down. When we come back from break, I'm going to show you all of the new evidence about face masks and how they have greatly exacerbated the problems that we're discussing tonight. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Please check out our website at thesecretteachings.info. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com and stay with us. There's a lot more coming up. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio.
cared who I was till I put on the mask. If I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. There are plans that are in place already manufacturing and getting ready. But also there will be a surprise outbreak. Was getting caught part of your plan? Of course. No plan is proceeding as expected. My mask! With these powers, I could be... My mask! A superhero! I could fight crime, protect the innocent. But first... My mask! Dr. Anthony S. Fauci. Big of the devil. You're in the middle of an outbreak. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Theatricality and deception. Powerful agents to the uninitiated. The common denominator of physical distancing, as well as wearing of a mask. And when we see that not happening, there's a concern that that might actually propagate further spread of infection. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Tell me that once I put the mask on, Again. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. Perhaps I stepped the mask and wonder what kind of magic it could bring me. I could be a superhero! When I finally put it on, I understood the warning would be As well as wearing of a mask. And when we see that not happening, there's a concern. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Theatricality and deception. scary mask is coming. I told so. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci. No plan is proceeding as expected. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Theatricality and deception. Powerful agents to the uninitiated. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci. Big of the devil, and they shall appear. Put your mask back on! I can't breathe! I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you're listening. Check out our website at thesecretteachings.info to get access to our show archive. You can subscribe to the archive to get access to the show without monetized advertisements. Plus, you get access to our montages and digital copies of my books. You can also buy the books on the website separately. TheSecretTeachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. The data is in without question that lockdowns and masks have severely damaged childhood learning and development, especially in the developed world, preventing children from learning to read and to write, also preventing children from physically progressing. Studies have shown that children are actually experiencing a physical regression as a result of these global policies. Masks, lockdowns, etc. have also damaged economies for decades to come and starved tens of billions of people to death. Those are numbers from the United Nations. Tens of millions, upwards of 50 to 70 million additional people died of starvation because of pandemic lockdowns, not because of Vladimir Putin, not because of your local gas station owner. These facts are a reality, and they are created 
by cold calculations rather than emotionally driven populations that decided we should do what the science tells us to do. Because the science is based on cold calculations and systemic discrimination against human civilization. We know that for sure because global voices express their disdain for humanity. And they want you to think that their disdain is just an accident, a mistake to be forgiven. In 2020, Melinda Gates said, what did surprise us is we hadn't really thought through the economic impacts. She was referring to lockdowns. Here's a woman with no medical or economic training, and yet she gets to decide how we live our lives and then can tell us that, well, she and others, we didn't really think about the economic impacts. You might think that's Melinda Gates. I don't care what she says. Well, okay, how about in 2022, this year, when the IMF, the International Monetary Fund Director, Kristalina Georgieva, went further on the subject of printing additional money and said, at that time, we did recognize that may lead to too much money in circulation, too few goods, but didn't really quite think through the consequences. We didn't think through the consequences of printing more money. We didn't think through the consequences of locking society down. We didn't think through the consequences of shutting businesses down. We didn't think through the consequences of making children wear masks. We didn't think through the consequences of any of this. I think the, the truth is they did think through the consequences of it. What they mean to say is that they don't care about the economic impacts. They don't care about the consequences. They don't care about the impacts and the consequences on childhood development, on childhood learning, and on the, uh, furthermore, the development of adults. For that, I mean, for that matter, you have adults... You have teenagers, you know, older teenagers, young adults that as they're starting to crystallize in their view of the world and in who they are, this new identity presents itself. And it forces a regression of the individual and of the collective into a barbaric society in which we do not shake hands, we do not look at each other in the eyes, and if we do talk to somebody, we don't do it without covering our faces. Beyond that, we don't even want people shopping in our business unless they wear a mask or have a vaccine. We don't want to employ somebody unless they wear a mask or have a vaccine. This is Jim Crow 2.0. This is segregation 2.0. And the same people that were behind Jim Crow and the same people that were behind segregation in all of its forms not just Jim Crow era laws, not just black codes, in all of its forms, any kind of segregation, the same people and the same ideologies behind black codes, Jim Crow, the Ku Klux Klan, segregation, etc. are the same ones, same ideologies, without any doubt, without dispute, that are behind the policies that anyone with a few brain cells functioning in their head could have told you would result in children having less access to school, which has led to, according to the World Bank 
UNESCO, and The Economist, large increases in the percent of children in low- and middle-income countries not learning how to read. An increase of 13%. A larger increase occurred in Latin America. A 30% increase in children not learning how to read. People always talk about how we base things too much on money. We base things too much on GDP. We shouldn't be basing it on money. Money shouldn't rule the world. Well, that's a debate to be had somewhere else. But if we're talking about what this means for children, what this means for our generations and the next generations, it means, according to the data, that since children have not learned how to read in increasing numbers over the last two years, there will be a global GDP decline of almost a full percentage point of $1.6 trillion dollars coupled with the fact that children, a few hundred million of them specifically, will earn $21 trillion less over their lifetimes, meaning that those children will now be more dependent on authority. The Economist says, this month of July 2022, children who never master the basics will grow up to be less productive and earn less. So if you have children that are being raised to be less productive, children that are being raised to earn less, and according to speech-language pathologists, young children who are isolated without playdates, isolated without school, and isolated with masks preventing them from seeing the facial expressions of others, those children are suffering severe psychological and mental emotional and spiritual declines, and furthermore, regression, as the UK government's education authority found the pandemic affected young children's physical development, babies are experiencing a decline in learning to crawl and walk. These are babies. So this isn't even about going to school. This is about babies because their parents are in masks and because they're so isolated, they're not learning to crawl and walk as quickly as they statistically normally would. Some reports from the UK government's education authority show that children have, quote, regressed in their independence and self-care skills, prompting providers to spend longer with kids on physical activities. So when you factor all this in, children that are less productive, that earn less, that have regressed in independence and self-care, and children that, are learning to speak, read, and write at a lower rate, you are looking at a new class of slaves and a new class of peasants that factor directly into the ideology behind black codes, Jim Crow, segregation, and the KKK. The people that are eugenicists who do not want to see the human race advance beyond its current state. They want total and absolute control of every person on the global plantation. I know that because if these policies are drastically reducing a child's ability to be productive and earn money, and it's causing a regression in independence and self-care skills, and it's preventing them from learning to read, to write, and to speak, 
these are the ways in which a master or a lord wishes to see their slaves and peasants exist in a state of servitude to their authority. So you can't form a rebellion. So you can't formulate an idea. You are totally dependent on the system. And the irony is they tell us that the pandemic and climate change drastically affect black people and Hispanic people and minority groups more than any other group. Well, if that's the case, people should be asking questions like, what did lockdowns and what do higher gas prices and energy costs to the name of climate change? And what is this whole transition from lockdowns for a pandemic to supply chain issues leading to that being blamed on Putin, leading to the whole thing being transitioned and shifted into climate issues, and now it's good. We should pay the money. We should be happy with nothing on the shelves because it's all in the name of the environment, and we're supposed to think that's good to help minorities when it actually will harm those groups of people more than it harms wealthier people, statistically on average. Why? Because if I'm paying $4 a gallon for gas... And that's $2 more than what I was paying before prior to the massive spikes. What do you think that does to low-income people? What do you think that does to low-income communities of black or Hispanic? Or It doesn't matter, black or Hispanic. It could be white. It doesn't matter. But they tell us that blacks and Hispanics and other groups, they matter the most. They're the minorities. They matter. Well, if that's the case, then we should not be locking and shutting society down. We should not be destroying infrastructure, and we should not be happy to pay higher prices for the costs of living in the name of green initiatives. Because the number one thing that people are concerned with, black, white, green, purple, yellow, doesn't matter. They're concerned with the economy. They're concerned with the cost of goods. They're concerned with the cost of living, not with some pseudo-intellectual, pseudo-environmental agenda that aims to literally dismantle the infrastructure of all world economies. People want to pay less for energy and food. They don't want to pay more for those things in the name of let's save the environment from some ambiguous thing that never happens. Part of this educational decline and developmental regression in children and likewise in adults or otherwise functioning adults have been reduced to name calling and emotional outbursts over pieces of cloth that you choose to or to not put over your face. Part of this is because of those pieces of cloth. Part of this is because those masks. Now, I have been discussing these masks since late 2019 into 2020 when they first started to receive some attention in the media and then as they became mandatory in some places closer to the middle of 2020. And as they caused and as they, they, they created this, this huge backlash in states and cities across the United States and even around the world, people saying, I'm not going to wear that mask. I'm not going to participate. I can't breathe in it. It gives me a rash. I feel sick when I wear it. And we were told, as I've documented in this show countless times, as I've documented in my book, The Technological Elixir, available at thesecretteachings.info. Virtually everything we heard about mask wearing is based on pseudoscience, fallacy, and an obscuring and a dismissing of, of actual science that has shown since at least the 1990s that the only reason doctors and 
medical professionals wear masks is because if they're performing surgery or they're they're doing something with your body, you don't want their saliva, their sweat or something to get in those open wounds or to come into contact with you for a number of reasons. One, it's a foreign substance. But two, it's it's based on the idea of quote unquote germ theory, right? But it's because, you know, surgeons wear masks when they're performing open surgery, open bodily surgery. So I know that this topic has been so controversial because we've just been told to trust the science, trust the science, trust the science, do what the governor says. They mandated that you have mandates or are laws, which they're not. And they have to make you do it. And it, only t- it took lawyers and it took radio professionals like radio hosts like myself. It took us months to finally get even the mainstream media to acknowledge that you cannot force people to do this. So they started to craft new forms of, 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 of propaganda to convince you that, well, you might have a legal reason to not wear it at work or if you're visiting a business to buy something, but nobody really can uh, acquire these, these medical and religious exemptions. So they later had to acknowledge it. Yeah, you have those rights to exempt yourself, but nobody really qualifies for them. And they made it seem really complicated. Like it would be, you know, the equivalent of having to hire an attorney to, to opt out of wearing a mask to go pick up a loaf of bread. You know, it's like, screw it, I'll just wear the mask. See, here's the thing. The UK government conducted their study in, uh, in, the, uh, in the fall of last year, and they published it earlier this year. The government's own study did not provide proof of a statistically significant impact of wearing masks in schools. Schools where face coverings were used in October of 2021 saw a reduction two to three weeks after in later uh, COVID absences. The reduction in COVID absences went from 5.3 to 3%. That's a drop of 2.3%. In schools which did not use face coverings, absences fell from 5.3% to 3.6%. That's a fall of 1.7%. So the difference between schools that used masks and schools that didn't use masks was about 0.6%. Now, you might say, well, that means the schools that wore the masks, they, they did better than the schools that didn't wear the masks. Well, you would, you would think that. The only problem is this data, according to the UK government, was not statistically significant. They even say the greater reduction in schools where masks were worn, just a 0.6% difference, not even a full percentage point, could be down simply to chance. But a lot of it also has to do with how you're testing. And it also has to do with what those communities are like and how often are children usually absent from school because they're basing mask-wearing and whether it's effective or not on how many children are absent from school in relation to COVID tests or in relation to people that had tested positive or people that had been around people who tested positive so you wouldn't come to school if you were around somebody. It didn't mean you were sick or not. In other words, the data points from both schools that required masks and schools that did not require masks in the UK show that There's a statistically insignificant difference between the two at 0.6%. With everything we've been told about masks, you'd expect the percentage to be at least a whole percent. 
but statistically several percentage point difference. But it's telling you not that well, the, the school that they, they didn't make the kids wear masks, you know, they only dropped from 5.3 to 3.6% in terms of COVID absences. We should really be focused on the schools that force kids to wear masks because although the drop was 0.6% higher than in the schools where they didn't force kids to wear masks, it didn't cause a statistically significant drop in those specific cases, even when you eliminate the cases of the schools that didn't make their kids wear masks. In the schools where they did, the drop was not statistically significant, regardless of what the drop was in the other schools. The review from the UK government also acknowledges the use of face coverings and how they could cause harm to learning. So let's just think about it this way. Let's say that the schools where you have the the higher percentage drop, which is not statistically significant, of 0.6%, those are the schools that made kids wear masks, they don't tell you how those COVID absences are actually quantified. And what the difference is in the schools, how often are kids usually sick? They don't show you that, oh, yeah, the the masks help the percentage points drop. But yes, at what point, one, in the pandemic, this was fall of 2021, when there was already a decline. And two, it doesn't answer the question as per whether or not these these children were being tested, how often they were being tested, by, by, by what kind of test, a PCR test, etc., and if these, these communities where you have the, the, the drop, the percentage drop of, of 5.3 to 3% in the schools that made kids wear masks, what was, the, the, um, what was the, the parental response to this? Some parents might have pulled their kids uh, you know, out of school for a number of reasons. They might have pulled their kids out of school because they were forcing them to wear masks or because in some cases they weren't forcing them to wear masks. So how can you determine simply based on absences that you attribute to COVID, which don't have anything to do with you actually being sick or testing positive. It just means parents could have taken their kids out of school because they didn't feel safe around kids who didn't have masks on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this tells us nothing except that the percentage drop in the schools where masks were mandatory was insignificant in relation to other schools and in relation to all the other factors that go into this. The masks did nothing to prevent COVID absences. And you notice that's what they based it on, COVID absences, not COVID cases. They based it on COVID absences. So that's the UK earlier this year. No difference. This research here is a little bit more recent from the University of Southern California. Research Square, University of Southern California. July 1st, 2022. Take a listen to this headline and then I'll read you the results of the study. Association between school mask mandates and SARS-CoV-2 student infections. Evidence from a natural experiment of neighboring K-12 districts in North Dakota. Here are the results. From August 26, 2021 to January 17, 2022, cumulative incidents in the mass compulsory school district was almost identical to cumulative uh, incidents in the mask optional district. Post-January 17, 2022, when both districts had mask optional policies, case rates were also not significantly different. So in comparing two school districts, those that have masks, those that don't have masks, 
when they were compulsory in one and not in the other, no statistical difference. They were, quote, almost identical to cumulative incidents in the mask optional district. When masks were optional in all districts in, these, in, in this particular study, it showed us that masks did nothing when they were implemented and masks did nothing when they were optional to alter case rates. Now, this is from the University of California. Masks are worthless. Then again, that might not be entirely true. It's not that they're worthless. They do provide people with a sense of of safety and security. It makes people feel better. And we're going to get into this in the next half hour, the final segment tonight. Universal masking in hospitals in the COVID-19 area. Universal masking in hospitals in the COVID-19 era. This was early in the so-called pandemic. This is mainstream New England Journal of Medicine. We know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protections from infection. And they go on to say that the mask is a talisman. Yes, the magical term talisman. The mask is a talisman that simply makes people feel better. It increases healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. It's a symbol. It's a sigil. It's a talisman. And now we have a study which was published over the weekend, Friday night. So this was a, a dumping day study. Nature's Scientific Reports Journal. They found that your masks were not only worthless, unless you were trying to get sick, because the masks actually contain so much fungus and so much bacteria that wearing a mask was actually more detrimental to your health than not wearing a mask. And that is profound and highly relevant and important data as we start to enter back into the the fear-based mechanism of we got to have masks in schools. We got to have masks to go shopping again in places like California and New York. Not only do they not work, they actually are detrimental to your health and to your child, to your child or your children's health. This needs to be shared. People need to know this. Print a copy of these studies out. Email me, and I'll send them to you at rdgable@yahoo.com. This is critical. This is vital that you know this. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Stay with us. listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio. Are masks bad for you? A new study out of Japan shows us that masks are indeed bad for us. Published in Nature's Scientific Reports Journal, the study looked at 109 people and shows that bacteria grows in bigger colonies on the inside of the mask compared with the outside. The opposite was true for fungus. Wearing the same mask for a long period of time quote, significantly increased the amount of fungus growing on a mask, though it had no effect on the amount of bacteria, probably because bacteria, uh, it grows a little bit different than fungus. Every mask, except for one, that's 99% of the masks examined by this study published in Nature's Scientific Reports Journal, contained bacterial colonies on the inside and 94% on the outside. The type of mask worn, cloth or disposable, made zero difference to the spread of the bacteria. On the other hand, fungus was found on the outside of 95% of masks and on the inside of 79%. An interesting finding was that bacterial counts were lower on the inside of masks worn by women, suggesting that it's because women wear makeup and tend to take better care of their skin than men do. Also factored into the study were what you eat and how you live your life, your lifestyle choices. For example, if you're eating a dish of fermented soybeans, for example, you're going to have what they estimate about three times the level of certain forms of bacteria in the masks as opposed to those who are not eating meals of uh, fermented soybeans. So a lot of things go into this, this, uh, this equation, including... You watch people wear a mask, take it off, take a bite, put it back on, take a bite, put it... I mean, literally, the mask is dirtier if you leave it on. It's, it's less beneficial if you leave it on while you eat than if you just took it off to eat and then cleaned your mouth, rinsed your mouth off, washed your face, and then put it back on. And virtually nobody is wearing their mask properly anyway. They do the mustache, they do the, 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 the beard where they kind of pull it down below their, their lips... Or they'll just have it dangling around their neck. You're not even supposed to wear a disposable mask more than once or twice. Once you take the thing off, you're supposed to dispose of it. You're not supposed to wear it all day, hang it in your car window like it's a, like it's a, you know, like an air freshener or a, you know, you hang a cross from your rearview mirror. 
or a necklace or something or dice or a charm. You're not supposed to hang it there, let it bake in your car and then take it out, put it on, take it off, put it back on moisture, hot temperature, cold temperature, back and forth. That is a recipe for illness. That is a recipe for disaster. You're not supposed to do that. And yet people do it. I see people's cars still. They got three or four masks hanging in the rear view mirror. People carry their masks in their pocket, drop it on the floor, accidentally step on it, pick it back up, put it on. I mean, even if you like your mask, at the very least, do you know that the mask is is very dirty if you don't clean it? Do you know that your mask is very dirty and it's worse off for your health if you wear that mask as opposed to not wearing it? Why is this so complicated to understand for some people? I don't know what it exactly was about the brainwashing and the mind control and the gaslighting and the psychological behavioral nudging that got people to think, if I put this mask on, nothing bad will ever happen to me. I just keep it on my face. Nothing bad will happen. Did I miss something in the propaganda? Did I miss something in the, like, what did I miss that you can't, like, even when you tell people, like, okay, if you want to wear the mask, you should at least change it out. No, I can't take it off. You're not even wearing it properly based on the box that you're ripping it out of because I walked into your store without a mask on. You're not wearing it properly. You're not cleaning it. And if, especially if you, even if you wore it properly and you don't clean your hands and you touch your mask, you touch your face, like it's like a hundred times more a day or something or more than that statistically when you have a mask on, constantly adjusting it, constantly touching up and down, up and down, up and down, down, up, down, up. It's, it's, it's so laughable. You're better off just not wearing it. The majority of the bugs and germs found on the masks, according to this scientific reports journal entry in uh, Nature, Nature's Scientific Reports Journal, most of the bacteria and bugs, a bunch of the germs, as they call them on the masks, weren't dangerous to humans, but they did find some that were. They found bacteria that causes vomiting and diarrhea, bladder infections, respiratory issues. And isn't that funny? They found mold that causes respiratory issues. So let's think about it like an exosome. Your body wants to get rid of something toxic, something that's a pollutant, so it excretes these particles. You take a test, the test identifies the particles and say, yeah, you've got this, this, or this because it aligns with this associated disease that has a symptom complex that we align with that particle. And since everybody's body's different, everybody's body reacts differently, everybody does different stuff to their body, you're going to get tons of these little particles. They're going to go, it's SARS-CoV-1, that's SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-3, it's Omicron, it's Delta, it's Ninja, it's, it's, it's whatever. There's all these different variants, right? So if you have something happening to the lungs and, you, and, the, and the cells in your lungs are responding by producing these particles and then you, you, you see a, a, a test and, oh, you've got COVID-19 because of this, this accelerated cycle count and because of the, because of the, 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 the way that these tests are, are run, which is fraudulent in most cases, the, the 44, 45 cycle counts. Above 32, 33, it's, it's useless and worthless, even according to Dr. Fauci. So it's like even, even your God, Dr. Fauci, you don't listen to him. You don't even listen to the, to the scientists that tell you, you, you know, you probably shouldn't mix three different vaccine companies together and get a, get a, get a Pfizer shot, a Moderna shot, and a Johnson & Johnson shot. Some people do that. I mean, these, these people are lunatics, hysterics. It's unbelievable. So what did these researchers find? They found that literally... There are bacterium and mold 
that grow on your masks in 99% of the cases of hundreds of masks looked at. So, I mean, out of 109, all but one, all but one had some huge level of bacteria, fungus, and mold growing on them. And some of the molds they found cause respiratory issues. Now, that's kind of strange, don't you think? Because you wear a mask to prevent yourself from getting a respiratory disease or a respiratory virus, and yet the mask you're wearing, if you wear it more than once and don't wash it or clean it or replace it, grows fungus and mold and bacteria that causes you to have respiratory issues. That's what it literally says. Here's the study right here. Bacterial and fungal isolation from face masks under the COVID-19 pandemic. Scientific reports from Nature, a very prestigious journal. The researchers made very clear that many of these risks can be avoided by regularly changing the masks. I told you a year and a half ago, and I kept you up to date if you followed the secret teachings. Uh, I was working a part-time job at a grocery store, a little co-op. And from the very beginning, I think I put a mask on twice and I realized I can't breathe in these things. And there's no way that this actually helps to do anything. And I, and I started because I wore it twice, like for a few minutes. And I realized this is worthless, pointless. So I started researching it and I found that since the 90s at least, and we've had more than a dozen pre-COVID studies demonstrated that masks provide no level of protection. And I, I started speaking out against it, and I refused to wear it. So my business, fi- the, the business I worked at, the co-op, fired me. So I had to contact attorneys, and I ended up researching the legal aspects of this myself, and I was able to retain my employment. Then I was fired a second time, and I had to do the same exact thing a second time. So then they annexed me to the back room of the business where I wasn't around customers because customers were freaking out because I wasn't wearing a mask. One customer complained and called me a misogynist and a white supremacist because I didn't have a mask on. And she said that part of the issue was I didn't even have one around my neck. If I'd have had one around my neck, it would have been okay. Not not on, just around my neck. If I had one on my neck, it would have indicated that I at least somewhat bend to the will of authority. And that's what it's really all about. That's what it's all about. Because despite... More than a dozen pre-COVID studies demonstrated that masks provide no level of protection and studies post-COVID showing that masks are generally ineffective and the viruses are smaller than the mask holes anyway. And then if you're really worried about getting sick, which is how it all started, you're worried about getting sick, put on a mask, you need to cover your eyes too because uh, they can get in through your eyes. You know, viruses can, at least that's mainstream narrative. And despite no proof being offered that COVID-19 is transmissible through asymptomatic transmission, reference Science Magazine study title, study claiming new coronaviruses can be transmitted by people without symptoms was flawed. Considering that COVID-19 was never shown to be transmissible through surfaces, according to the FDA, or food, according to the FDA, or even air, because the Washington Post, they pulled that, the CDC pulled that. So it's not transmissible by surface, by air. What the hell is it transmissible by? All that leaves us with is a mask that prevents you from breathing properly, a mask that is filled with bacteria, fungus, and mold, some of which actually causes more severe respiratory problems than this so-called virus, according to Nature Scientific Reports Journal just three days ago, 2022, 
July 22nd, this was published. But the mask itself has become a symbol early on of compliance to authority. I call it cultural BDSM. That's what it is. Cultural BDSM. Masks are dehumanizing. They are disorienting. They contribute to a culture of antisocial behavior further exacerbated by literally convincing people that their neighbor could kill them by breathing. Then there's the New England Journal of Medicine, which early on in the pandemic published this story. May 21st, 2020, universal masking in hospitals in the COVID-19 era. It says, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. They say what is clear is that universal masking alone is not a panacea. A mask will not protect providers. These are healthcare providers in situations where they're dealing with people that are both symptomatic and asymptomatic. A mask will not protect providers caring for a patient with active COVID-19 if it's not accompanied by meticulous hand hygiene, eye protection, gloves, and a gown. A mask will also not prevent, or a mask alone will not prevent, that's the quote, a mask alone will not prevent healthcare workers with early COVID-19 from contaminating their hands and spreading the virus to patients and colleagues. Focusing on universal masking alone may paradoxically lead to more transmission of COVID-19 if it diverts attention from implementing more fundamental infection control measures. This is within the mainline theory of the germ. This is mainline virology. This is mainline medicine saying masks do not work. It's that simple. They go further. They say, it is also clear that masks serve symbolic roles. Masks are not only tools, they are also talismans that may help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. Not only do they not protect healthcare workers and are offering little protection, if any protection, from infection outside of healthcare facilities, but they are talismans that help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well being, and trust in their hospitals. They're worthless. They don't work. They provide you with a buffet of fungus, mold, and bacteria some of which causes worse side effects and symptoms than if you actually came into contact with SARS-CoV-2. And they are a talisman to make people feel better. That's the New England Journal of Medicine. So I maintain cultural BDSM, bondage, discipline, sadism, and masochism. It's a form of sexual practice or practices that now overlaps with reality and has overlapped with reality for about two years. We've been bound with masks, quarantines, and lockdowns. We've been disciplined when we violate social rules or the new normal, even if we are just minding our own business or following the actual law as opposed to words like mandate, require, etc. These words merely mean order and request. They are not enforceable by any law, and no person can be prosecuted justly under their perceived tutelage. Whereas a sadist derives pleasure from inflicting pain or humiliation on others, the masochist or the masochist 
derives pleasure from inflicting pain or humiliation on themselves. The way that some people behave would seem to indicate that they are indeed deriving some form of pleasure by their assumption of societal authority when harassing or attacking those without a mask. It's the masochist who derives the same pleasure uh, from binding and disciplining and shaming themselves. And, and that's what it's really all about. In the 16th century in Britain and all throughout Europe in the 17th and 18th centuries, people wore masks called shame masks. And they were intended to punish those found guilty of a societal crime, whether that's lying, eavesdropping, slander, gossip, etc. These shame masks were made out of metal. They were applied snugly around the head and locked into a muzzle. Some had tiny bells attached to the head to further humiliate the wearer, while some made a whistling sound when the person would breathe. Other masks were more torturous in that they would actually have these metal plates in them with spikes that would go into the roof of the mouth and inflict pain if the person would try to talk. Some of these masks were made in the shape of an animal's head to indicate a certain type of societal crime, such as a cow for laziness or a pig for gluttony. Others had exaggerated features like a long nose for someone who had lied. Although women were often subject to the mask of shame, married couples and individual single men, often uh, deceptive traders and, and, and other, um, other men who uh, participated in, in unsavory practices, were forced to wear these masks as well. Shame masks were referred to as the scold bridal, the scold referring to a woman who was a shrew or a liar. Mask wearing has also become more than simple compliance with authority despite honest science or law. It's, it's more than people doing the right thing to protect others. It's more than a personal choice. Throughout antiquity and into modern times, entrance into secret societies and the mystery schools of various cultures were restricted to a certain set of criteria that had to be followed for initiation. In our case today, initiation into a cult, a death cult. As with a magical ceremony, the magicians, as with the initiate must abstain from impurities. Those include diet, socializing, and thinking. Initiates were to abstain from animal flesh, alcohol, social interaction, sex, and the like. They were required to participate in ceremonies and wear specific forms of clothing that often included a mask. You think about these mystery schools and secret societies abstaining from meat, no social contact, wearing masks. This is precisely what is happening and what has been happening for the last two plus years. Wearing the mask and repeating sacred lines over and over and over again. Abstaining from sex. Can't have sex. It'll spread the disease. Everything done in the name of COVID-19 is the opposite of reasoning. Uh, virtually all of it is insulting to logic, reason, safety, science, liberty, and the human experience, human consciousness. It, it, I mean, it, whereas the criteria of the mystery schools were meant to preserve something sacred, the same criteria are now being used today to pervert that which is sacred. In other words, it's a global form of trauma-based mind control induced through terrifying rituals to convince you to give up your humanity in the name of a group collective hive mind ideology. The mask further erodes the social fabric and has typically only been worn by criminals and prisoners outside of executioners. It makes communication more difficult, intention harder to determine, and it erases the distinct facial features of every person participating. 
Is the mask bad for you? Well, according to Nature Scientific Reports Journal, yes. They say we observe bacterial colonies in 99% of the samples on the face side, 94% on the outer side. Fungal colonies in 79% of the samples on the face side, 95% on the outside. And they found that some of these bacterium caused diarrhea, vomiting, respiratory issues, etc. Things that are otherwise attributed to the virus. So let me get this straight. I don't wear a mask. You wear a mask. I'm healthy. You might have been healthy, but now that you're wearing a mask, you get sick because you're wearing the mask when you otherwise were healthy and didn't need to wear the mask. Now you get sick because you wore it, and then you test positive for COVID or SARS-CoV-2, and then you blame me for not wearing a mask when I'm healthy, and you were healthy till you put the mask on that made you sick, so you take the test and test positive and then blame me. A total inversion of reality. Another group in Belgium found when they when they uh, they studied the same exact thing these Japanese researchers were finding, this Belgian group found that the bacterial colony numbered higher in cotton masks than in surgical masks. And then here's another interesting piece of information. A lot of people haven't thought of this. What happens to all of those masks that we use? People that tend to wear them religiously, like they're part of a cult, they, they also tend to be the same kind of people that like to virtue signal about how great they care about the environment, how great their concern is for the environment, right? Oh, they love the environment. Oh, they love green energy. They, they love paying more for gas. They love all these things. Well, do they like pollution and, and plastic and chemicals and toxins and pollutants? Usually not. They, don't, they usually don't like those things. But yet, they'll wear masks. And according to Business Insider... On March 25th of this year, as of March 25th, almost into April, so not that long ago, the world was throwing out, this is 2022, 3 million face masks every single minute. 3 million face masks every single minute. As a result of COVID-19, global consumption of single-use plastics increased 300%. So they condition you with a pandemic to accept less of a selection at the store, less options, less food, less products, and to accept that the third world will be killed by tens of millions of people starving to death because you are believing and initiating the reality that CNN and Fox News pump into your head on a daily and nightly basis. Because you listen to NPR and because you listen to politicians and you listen to eugenicists instead of actual scientists who don't have special interests in convincing you to take a vaccine or get a mask and put it over your child's face when they're a month old or to give that five-month-old baby a vaccine. And from the beginning, we were told by real scientists, none of this is proper. None of this is reasonable. None of this is logical. All this does is break down the cohesion and rip the fabric of society apart at the seams. So you're scared of your neighbor. You don't see your friends or your family. And who suffers the most because of this? Arguably, it's the children. Because according to UNESCO and the United Nations, children are suffering not only developmental uh, delays, not only learning delays, 
they're also experiencing physical regressions. Babies and toddlers are not crawling and walking as early as they used to. And this is only after a year and a half to two years of full hardcore brainwashing. Children are unable to read and unable to write in statistically higher numbers. And furthermore, children are muzzled and isolated from their family and their friends, isolated from their teachers. Anybody with a brain and a heart could, uh, could understand and could, uh, could tell you that this, is, this would be the result. This is not very difficult to figure out. This is not very difficult to, to comprehend. And anybody with a brain and a heart could understand that this is intentional to literally regress an entire generation to a state of arrested development and infantile behavior. Both teenagers, young adults, toddlers, and infants alike. To prevent them from developing. To mentally, physically, physiologically, and biologically stunt their development and retard them. Prevent them from learning to read and to write and to communicate. This is one of the most evil things that's ever been orchestrated on the minds and bodies of man and on human civilization. And CNBC News reported back in April of this year, in the UK, the UK government found that children had regressed in their independence and self-care skills. Because that's what it's all about. You don't want your slaves and your peasants to learn how to read and learn how to write. You don't want them to learn how to communicate or congregate. You don't want them to be independent and take care of themselves. You want them to be illiterate. You want them to be afraid of or not have the social ability to communicate with others, to congregate, to come together, to share ideas. You don't want them to be independent. You want them to be dependent. And you want them to follow your orders no matter how trivial they are, like the Bitterman chart of coercion, how to, how to uh, coerce uh, an enemy soldier into, into confessing. Isolation and trivial demands. You isolate and then you issue these trivial demands. It doesn't matter what the actual science says. It matters what the scientists say. And if you question the scientists, you're questioning the science and therefore you're questioning reality and the natural order that God has created. This is a cult. This is a cult of crazy, lunatic, Worshippers of death and human suffering. And the more that we allow this to proceed, we're already in the, in the end game of what's happened. And now they want to further expand this for climate change. And when we don't fully buy that on the surface, they start bringing mask mandates back for schools because another wave of COVID-19. It's as simple as saying no. You do not have the authority. You cannot prevent me from shopping in this business. It's a public accommodation. It is not legal for you to refuse me service because I will not cover my face and restrict my breathing. It's a violation of both my religious and my medical rights. It's a violation of state and federal law. You cannot force me out of this business because I will not cover my face. You cannot force me into taking a vaccine at my place of employment or as a condition of attending a venue or attending a, you know, a business to buy groceries. All of this is illegal. 
It's just like in England where slaves were considered free in the late 1700s, but slavery was still a very common thing. The reason for that is if you read the Somerset case, which I tell in my new book, Liberty Shrugged, the new book will be out somewhat soon. The Somerset case involved a slave who was brought from the colonies to England. And the slave was essentially free under English law, but the slave had to tell his master in the state, I am going to claim my natural rights. And as soon as the slave claimed their natural rights, they were immediately free. That's all you have to do. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be people that want to nullify the rule of law. There aren't going to be people that aren't going to be people that want to segregate you and enact Jim Crow laws because you don't have a mask or a vaccine. It doesn't mean people aren't going to throw things at you and spit on you, ironically, because you're not wearing a mask. It doesn't mean people aren't going to look at you like you're crazy for reading the UK government's own data on schools and masking or reading the University of Southern California's data on masking that showed that they have no effect on children. They make children less likely to learn. They make children less likely to develop. They make children sicker. Or the study from Nature's Scientific Reports Journal that shows bacteria, fungus, and various forms of uh, other pathogens, including things that make you really sick and, and, and give you respiratory problems. That all those things that we're, now we're hearing about even more now. This was this, these, two of these studies from the University of California and the, the study from Japan, these are studies from this month they were published, 2022. Do not allow this to continue. Even if you're just concerned about the environment, we're throwing 3 million face masks away every minute statistically. Do you think that wearing a face mask, even if the percentage is a, a, a half a percent higher in schools that have mandatory vac uh, vaccines, excuse me, uh, masks, as opposed to schools that don't have those masks, even if that, that percentage is so statistically insignificant, but it still shows there's a tiny difference like 0.6% in the UK, which they said isn't statistically significant, and it's not. If that is the difference, 0.6%, is it worth regressing children's independent self-care development? Is it worse preventing a child from seeing somebody's face to learn social cues and social behavioral patterns and communication? Is it worth preventing children from learning to read and to write? Therefore, to eventually earn a living? to produce for themselves? Is it worth preventing all of that for some social virtuing shame mask based on a culture of BDSM? Absolutely not. Therefore, tonight's show, Breathe No Evil, the evil is in that thing that you've put over your face. And that is not something that I will ever be breathing through, and I encourage you to do the same I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. www.TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. Please grab a copy of one of my books. Please subscribe to the archive if you enjoy this show. You get access to a private RSS feed, the montages, the whole archive to download and stream the shows without monetized ads. And... You get early access to the show and all the montages. It keeps us on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Have a good night.